Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello and welcome to the podcast. We are live at the InvestNet Advisor <laughs> Summit with Quentin Alston Spratt, who's the head of advisor practice management at Franklin Templeton. Welcome to the podcast, Quentin. Uh, thank you for having me. Financial services is a career that many people don't choose. What along the way in your life led you to this place in time? Well, uh, I'll start with a story from my mom. She said as a kid that I, I, I never, never want to spend my own money. And I was always figure out how to spend her money better than how to spend my money. And she always knew I would end up in the money business. Fast forward to college. Um, let's just say I took pre-calc more than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> and then I figured out really quickly that if I put a dollar sign in front of the problem, I would figure out anything. Really? And then that led my transition into this business. Um, I tried to come into it at 24. Uh, I couldn't see myself in the space. And then two years later, I came back and I realized I would never leave. So it's amazing uh, how much of a difference a couple of years can make. Yeah. And this is someplace that you enjoy. You like being in financial services and you making a difference. Absolutely. Uh, so I started out uh, selling. Then I moved over to the management side. Uh, opened Farmers Insurance in Maryland. Then I moved over to MetLife, and I ran the Southeast region for MetLife. I worked with Leg Mason, and we were acquired by Franklin Templeton, and that's what landed me here at Franklin. Uh, and candidly, what I tell people is I love what I do, Doug. I would do it for free. Just don't tell the company. Otherwise, they might not pay me. Really? Do it for free? Yes. That's great. There's nothing else I'd rather do. So we're here today to talk about a, a program that Franklin Templeton's created called Changing Faces of Wealth management or changing faces of wealth program. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's a program to really help financial professionals prepare for the changing landscape that's happening in our country. Uh, I want to start with why we created the program. Our clients asked us for it. We had so many firms reaching out saying, hey, do you have anything to speak to the changing landscape? Do you have anything to speak to diversity and helping financial professionals and advisors navigate this space? We, We can't find anyone. And so we said, let's create it. And with a small team, we were able to create this program. We leveraged our business resource groups to help make sure that our language was right as we were creating this content and making sure that we were giving credit where it was due. We want to make sure that it hit the mark. And ever since we've launched about six months ago, it's been a conversation that we've been having a lot lately. And what exactly is it? Absolutely. So the Changing Faces of Wealth program is a program designed to help uh, advisors, financial pro- professionals understand, number one, the changing wealth landscape. We talk about the demographics, how they're shifting in this country. And then we shift the conversation. We talk about who do we need to focus on in order to help people achieve better outcomes. And there are six groups. That's women over 50. That's the Latino Hispanic investor. That's a group known as AAPI. That's Asian American and Pacific Islanders for those keeping score at home. That's the LGBTQ plus community the black or African-American investor, and lastly, all of our personal favorites, millennials. (laughs) And 
not to put you on the spot, but how much of the population do these groups represent? Ooh, man. So it's, let, it's a lot. Yeah. Let, let's start here. And, and I'll, I'll tackle this the best way I can. Yeah. When we talk about specifically in the year 2015, the black or African-American community, in our program, we took a look at a 100-year period. So from the year 2015, we went 50 years back and we took a look at 50 years forward. The black or African-American community will represent roughly somewhere between 12 to 13 percent of the population. Now, there are studies out there that say that there's going to be growth amongst this community up to roughly 14 percent, but it's still roughly the same. Where you've seen exponential growth is the Latino-Hispanic community. In the year 2015, this group, uh, they were somewhere around 24% of our population, and they're going to go up even more. And then you have Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Now, these three groups, by the way, in 2015, if my numbers are right, they were roughly 6% of our population. 50 years out, they're going to be roughly 14%. These three groups in the year 2015 represented 36% of our population. 50 years from now, maybe even sooner, they're going to be over half of our population. Now, when we put together this program, we spend the vast amount of time talking about women because women overlap with every group that we're going to talk about. And it matters because they live three times longer than their male counterparts, and they're going to be the ones to inherit the assets. And if we're going to keep the assets within our companies and our firms, we need to know how to work with this group. Now, financial literacy is a problem no matter what group you're in. Mm-hmm. Is it a bigger problem amongst these six groups that you were talking about? Mm. The word that's causing me pause in there yeah. is a problem. And, and, and not from a negative sense. Right. Is it an opportunity? Like I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's an opportunity. And we talk about this a lot, talk about this a lot in the program as an opportunity to help financial professionals build relationships with these groups. Education does a couple core things, whether they have access to it or not. Number one, it helps build trust and relationship. And so when you get in front of the room and you can have a conversation and you can educate the group, let's take women over 50, and you can talk to them about what to do with their investment decisions, how to prepare to outlive their male counterparts, how to prepare to live a life that they want to live and make sure their family is prepared. That helps build relationship and it helps build trust. Now, for some of the other groups that might not have access to education, you're talking about either the black or African-American community or the Latino Hispanic community. It helps increase the base knowledge, baseline of knowledge so you can have better investment conversations while building trust as well, too. So education is a huge component. It's a huge opportunity. and It's a great way to tear down walls and barriers. So you're making a huge case that financial professionals need to focus on diversifying their business today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we just had this conversation on the panel, and it's, it's, it's not even so much about the today. We were having a conversation on the panel about succession planning and the need to reposition the conversation. And I talked about a situation that happened right here in Charlotte a couple years ago in 2016. I was going to meet with an advisor and I was going to work with them on their CRM system. And the lead advisor, he was 73, and he came to me and said, what are you going to teach me about computers? And he's kind of leaning in the doorway like he's prepared to leave. And I said, well, I'm not here to talk to you about computers today. He got visibly upset with me. He said, well, what are you here for? And I said, you see, 
your your business is in paper files in that office over there. And when you go to sell this business, the only question is how much are they going to discount it? Because they don't know how much of your business is going to fall through the cracks. Got a pen and paper, sat down, and we got to work. <laughs> now, funny enough, at 73, he ended up becoming the best, one of the best users of that technology in the country. But that's what happens when you reposition a conversation in a way that matters to the person that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm encouraging us to reposition the diversity conversation. It's not just about today. It's about secession as well, too, because as we push forward and our landscape shifts, people are going to want to know how diverse is your business and how likely are these people that are going to stay here to work with me because you never know who you're going to sell to. And we have to put people in a different position to have better conversations in order to help get the outcomes they want. So we're thinking long term. Uh, who should financial professionals focus on if they want to diversify their practice? Oh, that's such a great question. When we, when we do the full conversation, uh, what I tell the group, I just gave you six demographics. What I tell people is don't try to focus on all six. Let's start with what not to do. Don't try to focus on all six. Because advisors are told to niche, niche, niche their business. Absolutely. So what I encourage out of the six that we discuss, if there's a group that you have access to currently and you're looking to uh, find deeper level of access to or deeper relationships with, select that group. If there's a group that, you know what, if you had access to them out of the six that I mentioned, we encourage people to focus there. Where you decide to start is your choice, but we encourage you to focus on one. Build the practice around that. Start to have those conversations. Put your automation in place, and then you can branch out to other groups from there. So the choice is yours. You're having a lot of conversations with a lot of advisors. Which group of financial professionals most interested in as a result of the conversations you're having? Yeah. Uh, having this conversation across the country, I find that the groups that most people have question on are really two the three. It's women over 50. The big one is the LGBTQ plus community. And the reason why is because since the year of 2015, the year of legalized marriages, same-sex marriages are up in this country 70%. And if you've done estate planning for this group, or if you've ever worked with this group, you know that unions pre-2015 and unions post-2015 from an estate planning perspective are night and day different. They are, because now they can die now they can have get divorced. There's all the problems that same-sex marriages or the, the traditional marriages have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this provides for a completely new and different conversation, also depending what state you live in. And so what we encourage people as we talk about the LGBTQ plus section is that we're not encouraging you or saying to you that you need to be an estate planning professional. What we're encouraging you to do is to partner with an estate planning professional who really understands the space. You could be a conduit to conversation and help create new opportunities. Because you can make the case, this group, Doug, 29% of them report working with financial professionals. And that's 10 points below the average. That's 10 points below individuals who are not of this group. And you can make the case due to the complexity of their needs and their planning that they could benefit working with us as financial professionals more than any other group. The third group that we get the most questions about is millennials. That's where a lot of the money is going to the millennials and younger generation. They want to know how to connect with them. 
What kind of conversations do we need to have? How do I need to position myself? Those are the three biggest groups that we get. Women over 50, LGBTQ+, and millennials. But it's leaving out the other three, which is equally as important and maybe growing faster than the three that you mentioned. Ah, so I want to say leaving them out. These are the three groups that we get the most questions, questions about. about. Right, right. But the other groups are still viable. They're still there. They're still opportunities. Which resources do you provide to help financial professionals navigate through these conversations? Absolutely. So when we do the program, uh, in program, we, we give these things called connect pages. And we talk about things for people to consider, some core insights for each group, and key questions to start the conversations. Now, we have one pages that we give out that we kind of summarize these things. And we give those available. Uh, we give those out to financial professionals. In the program as well, one of the things we talk about is that if you never identify your biases, you never really get a chance to work on them. And we give people access to a, a program that helps you. It's Harvard's Implicit Bias Association Test. And you can find out what your biases are so you can start to have different conversations. Now, one of the great things about this is, is if one of the great ways to help in this space is you can diversify your team. But not everyone can hire tomorrow. Not everyone can diversify their team tomorrow. So if you can't diversify your team, you can diversify your perspective. And taking things like that implicit bias test to help you identify where your blind spots are puts you in a position to help change your perspective. The third thing we do, we know that your clients are going through a lot. And you're not going to let your clients go through it by yourself. So we don't believe in letting you go through it by yourself. We have programs that are meant for you as a financial professional. So number one, one of the biggest things that will help financial professionals connect with women and the next generation is the family meeting format. And there are four different types of family meetings you can run to build relationships with women and children in the household. Let me know if you want me to go through it but we have a program to help financial professionals with it. In order to have that conversation appropriately, you have to know how and where people go to age. There are five different places, Doug, we can go to age. You can age in your home. You can go to a 55 plus community. You can go to a CCRC, that's a continuing care retirement community. You can go to a skilled nursing facility or an assisted living facility. That's, those are your five choices. And a, a number of those are not good. Exactly. So, so <laughs> now, it also depends on your experience because without knowing how to navigate the space, it can be like the Wild Wild West. We have a program that teaches, number one, advisors, what are the pros and what are the cons of each, and some resources to help them help their clients navigate the space. These are the things that are going to keep people with us, not if, but when life happens there's a reason that when life happens women depending on which data you look at are 70 80 maybe upwards 90 percent likely to leave us when we have these conversations and we help prepare them for life they remember that and it increases the likelihood of them staying if you need to get up to speed on sustainable investing because you want to have better conversations with different groups and offer them different options and show that they can invest in names that align with their values. 
We have a program called Sustainable Investing to support financial professionals with that. The other way we support financial professionals is we give them content that they can use with their clients. And if it's right, we have a great organization in the Franklin Templeton Academy that goes out and we even partner with advisors to do presentations to their clients on their behalf. So there's a lot of ways that we support from a value-add perspective. We know you're not going to let your clients do it alone, so we don't expect to let you do it alone. Last week at a different conference, I had a conversation with Craig Ramsey, who's the CEO of Advisor Engine. Mm -hmm. And when Advisor Engine was um, looking for a partner or somebody to work with, um, they met with the people at Franklin Templeton, and he said they left the meeting and was like, they're the they're them. Now, I'm from the Bay Area, and Franklin Templeton has a reputation of being a little older and stodgier. And and when you were acquired by them, you were probably thinking, I'm not sure this is the place. They surprised you, didn't they? You know, so, you know it's funny. I never had that thought. Um, partially because of, I've been through my fair amount of acquisitions. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through my fair share. Uh, they will remain nameless. Uh, but I, I honestly, I didn't have that thought. Uh, coming into the acquisition, I saw that there was nothing but upside. Yeah. Nothing but upside. I guess the point I'm making is they're, they're going forward. They're moving in places that is great it's surprising and it's forward thinking absolutely um new tagline hello progress i think this is a great example of of the progress we're making in this space uh very much forward thinking great leadership in place and uh i'm just happy to be a part of it and be in a position to help push the conversation forward um i know you're the head of practice management and i think our time here is done for this conference but i would love to get you back on and talk to you about that at some point i would love to come back quentin thank you so much for being with us thank you doug Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, this is Doug Heikinen.